realize that I uh, just needed to hear your voices tonight. Uh, that was uh, really cool just to be here. If you guys have ever been here on a Monday or even just been to church, a church setting where uh, you came in and you just kind of needed the body of Christ. You just kind of needed to be around people and uh, singing and worshiping the same God. And, uh, and so uh, thank you for worshiping alongside me. Before we get started, can we uh, just pray? God, Lord, I, uh, I only know how I come into this room. Um, Father, there is um, people in this room that come in for a variety of different reasons, a variety of different moods, a variety of different emotions. And, um, and God, you made us with emotions. Lord, you, um, you didn't create us to be emotionless. Um, and so, Father, I, I thank you for every man, woman, child in this room. And um, Lord, I do pray that you would speak to us right now. Father, life, um, life has joys. Life has hardships, and, and you know that full well, Father. You had moments of celebration while you walked this earth, and yet you also died on a cross. And, um, and Father, everything in between. And so, Father, as we deal with real life, would you meet us in this moment and speak to us um, on this Monday night and give us perspective that will help us um, not only for this week, um, but for our lives to come. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. I uh, was in Brazil and uh, got uh, Graham and Ava talked to me after I was preaching in Brazil and said, uh, pop, pop, my grandfather didn't make it. And uh, that night, uh, my mom was watching my kids. She was in town uh, while Ava and I were in Brazil. And uh, she was just telling me about that moment. Like when the unimaginable happened, like what would you imagine saying? Like, it's like, ah, you know? And, uh, and so there was that moment where uh, my mom had gotten the phone call. Grandpa isn't doing well. He, I think, had a heart thing, fell off his chair. And, uh, and kind of that moment where he's being resuscitated, but you kind of know it's not going to end well, but you kind of are hoping against hope. And it's, and, uh, and so there's chaos going on in my house and uh, my, my uh, middle son is the most emotional and just like, grandma, grandma, is, is pop pop gonna be okay? Is pop pop gonna be okay? And, uh, and my mom said, and she's, she said something that she has, she's now saying has been something that she didn't know what it fully meant in the moment. She knew what it meant in the moment, but like didn't realize how much it like meant in the moment that time. But like, and she just looked at my son and said, uh, she said, it's going to be okay. Uh, either way, it's going to be okay. Knowing that grandpa was a man of faith, knowing that, you know, missionary, pastor, and preached the gospel, and, and just knew that whether or not they were able to resuscitate him or whether or not they weren't, that either way, his day was going to end good. <laughs> uh, either day, either way, like, it was going to be okay. It's a weird way to start a sermon, and we just ate food, you know, like, we were all just laughing, and Jason, we're supposed to have dessert and laugh together and drink our coffee. Uh, and it's Mother's Day weekend, so tell a joke about Ava and how she screwed up with her, you know, how she did something great with our kids. And like, no, like, I, I get all that. But, but we're dealing with a text tonight that deals with the real life issues, real life hardships. This is something that I love about the Bible. Like the Bible doesn't pretend like hardship doesn't happen. The Bible, for the Bible to be relevant, it, it speaks into these real life situations and, and doesn't avoid them, doesn't ignore them. Like the, the things that like 
man, like how make, makes it hard for us to get out of bed or makes it hard for us to go to work sometimes or like all those real life issues, like the Bible speaks into it. And what we've been talking about these last few weeks as we're in this series called Next Chapter, where we started with kind of looking at the gospel and then we turned into Romans 7 and said, okay, I understand the gospel. I understand my freedom in Christ and I, I understand all that. But, but in Romans 7, there's that real life stuff of like, but Jason, like, I, I understand that I'm perfect before God, but like, I do stupid stuff and, and I go back to doing stupid stuff or I don't do things that I know I should be doing. And it's like the, that real life of like, man, I know I, what it means to live like Jesus, but I'm not quite doing it yet. And like, man, sometimes I just feel like I'm a worthless piece of trash. But, and then I was like, oh no, no, let's turn the page. Let's go to the next chapter, Romans eight. It's all about freedom. It's all about hope. Like it's good. Let's get to Romans eight, right? And right in the middle of Romans eight is a section about suffering. Jason, you for real? You really wanted to go to Romans eight? Yeah, I'm for real, why? Because the freedom in walking with Jesus, isn't it like almost most relevant? I know that's not theolo theologically accurate, like it's always relevant, but doesn't it feel most relevant in the midst of hardship? Like, like we understand like there is there now, therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But what do we do when this world feels increasingly condemned? Like, I know I'm not condemned before God, but this world makes me feel otherwise. How do we make sense of this when the, nothing in the world makes sense? Or maybe you walk into this room and life makes sense for you, but, it's, but you kind of know like it makes sense until it, it doesn't. So what I want us to do tonight is I want us to know hardship. I want us to know what it's like to walk with Jesus in the midst of hardship. And here's the question, it'll be up on the screen, that I want us asking right now. And I'm going to ask it again at the very end of our talk tonight, but it's this. If hardship happens to us all, would you rather be on the side of the hopeless or those with future hope? Because if hardship, if, if loss of job, if divorce, if death, if, if, if what the Bible talks about, how the rain falls on the just and the unjust, which I love that picture. It's like we didn't get saved so that the rain can fall on the non-Christian and Christians can walk around like, hey, no raindrops for us. We're good. We're groovy. Uh, like, like it happens to all of us, right? Uh, so if life is going to happen to all of us, what side of the equation do you want to be on? And so here's the text that we're looking at tonight. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him, for I consider that the sufferings of this present age, I consider Paul, like think about that for just a moment here, Paul, I consider Paul who was beaten with sticks, uh, stoned, not California style, uh, with actual rocks, uh, the, the dude that uh, was like spent nights out on the ocean, uh, the dude that was shipwrecked, the, the, the dude that was left for dead, uh, the dude that would one day die for his faith, the dude that knew suffering way more than all of us combined, if we're going to be honest in our little American bubbles. Like this dude suffered and he's saying, I consider the sufferings at this present time crazy, not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Paul who suffered said, I'm looking at this world and I have my mind fixated on future glory. Number one, that means that when y'all look around as Christians, 
This world ain't ours. This is not our home. This is not the end all be all. That, that if you look around this world and feel like this is everything, then you're gonna feel like moments where you've lost everything. But God is our inheritance. This world is not our home. As they say, we are passing through. We live as Christians in this not yet tension. Like we know he's our father. We know we will see him face to face, but we're not quite there yet. We know that we are perfect before God, but yet we haven't quite reached that state of perfection. We know that one day all of our bodies and all the things that we're like, oh man, I don't like this about like, we know one day we will reach that perfect state, but we are just not quite there yet. And as we are passing through, we're being refined. And as we're being refined, we're going through the fire. That means as we're passing through, this world is going to be full of hardship for both the Christian and the non-Christian as we're in this not yet state. So what I want us to think about as we just talk about two points tonight is this is kind of the overarching theme for us in this text is that hope brings perspective to our groanings. Now, now if you're like, no, my life is hunky-dory. I've never, I've never groaned. I've never cried. Then we can tell you where the psych ward is. Like, no, like we all, like, you know, like we all groan. We all have hard times. Like if you're a parent in the room, no parent has ever said, I've got this parenting thing down. It is easy. Like, no one, like those things don't get said only by delusional people. Like, life is hard, we're going to groan. And so, for the Christian, how does hope speak into the groaning? I want us to look at two areas. The first is this hope is offered to the groans of creation. This is where Paul goes. For the creation waits with eager creation, with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected, which means that Jesus, God, the triune God, Holy Spirit, is in complete control. The, the word sovereign, that he subjects creation. It's in God's authority. Uh, subjected it to futility, uh, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Now, when we looked at that series just a few series ago on the end times and what is to coming, uh, what is coming, one thing that is coming for the earth is a new heavens and a new earth. It's going to be redone. It's going to be back in its perfect state. God's going God's to reform it and transform it back to the original state. Why do I say original state? Because back in the garden, they eat some fruit, sin enters into the world, and part of the impact, part of the effect of sin is that this world is starting to fall apart. So the world started falling apart before politicians argued about global warming, which is awesome, okay? Here are four truths, though, that we can see right from this text about creation. Number one, the world that we're looking at is temporary. It's all going to go away. You get to take your faith with you to the next world, but you're not taking anything with you. This is all temporary. This is all a consequence of sin. 
This is a means to an end. As the world is unraveling from a creation standpoint, as it is unraveling, it's a temporary thing, but it's also a means to an end where God, where the earth will decay and God will one day make it better. And then lastly, the fourth truth that we see is that it's universal. That it's not like, hey, there's some parts of the world that are not open to decay and not like it's global. All parts of the world have elements of creation that is, is falling apart. And what Paul is doing here is he's linking it to our future where God is going to transform us, where God is going to bring us into that perfect state. We know that that's coming when Jesus comes back to, to get his church. Creation is longing for Jesus to come back and take the church home with it. Why? Because at that moment, creation will start to go back to its perfect state. And so creation is is longing for God to call the church home because it means liberation for both the Christian and the earth itself. In the meantime, am I telling you anything that you don't know? <laughs> Do we, am I, it's like, man, yeah, the, the earth is kind of falling apart. And now that I, now that you say that, Jason, I'm not really into science, but I think you might be onto something there, science boy. Uh, no, like we all know it, right? Like that's why we we have insurance. And I and I and I looked up some like like insurance stories because I don't know if we, I don't I filed like maybe a few claims, so nothing like like normal crap and uh, stuff. And uh, and so, uh, but I looked it up, and there has been some wild things. That, a lot with farmers insurance, they get some, and they have a really funny commercial. Uh, but one one farmer's thing was about a plane that crashed. Uh, the guy called and said, hey, we're okay. Uh, but a plane crashed into my living room. Uh, and the three people that were in the living room, miraculously, all okay. Uh, and the people that were flying the plane, miraculously, they're okay. Uh, but my stuff isn't. Uh, and so they actually got an insurance claim because a, a plane crashed into their living room. Uh, another one, this was, this was my, probably my most favorite um, because I'm, forgive me if you work for Peter, Peta, 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 the pet thing. Uh, but I, I went hunting back in the day and got myself a buck. And uh, you leave a car. So like you walk out into the woods and you leave your car behind, which is like, I don't know, like I'm like city slicker. Like that's weird for me. Uh, and so this one insurance claim uh, was somebody had uh, gone hunting, left their truck in the woods, went out hunting for a few hours, came back and there were bite marks all over their car. It was like the animals were getting their revenge, you know? And, uh, and what had happened was that he had recently polished his car with a, uh, with a type of polish that attracted the animals. Uh, and so the animals started to try to eat the polish uh, off of his car, and he got his car covered because it had bite marks all through it. There are just crazy, like you can look it up, like there are really crazy uh, insurance claim stories. And, and there's an insurance thing that says that you can be covered for the act of God. Have you heard that claim? Like it's wise, it is wise for you and I to have insurance. Like Ava and I, we don't, we don't have uh, uh, health insurance. Uh, we have a uh, Christian uh, medical sharing. Uh, now you would say to yourself, Jason, uh, that sounds like communism. Uh, and I would say, no, it's not. And you would say, why? And I'd be like, well, because their website clearly says this is not communism. <laughs> and, uh, 
And so I don't really know, but we share our medical bills with a bunch of Christians and it all works out. Uh, but uh, it's like Obamacare, like uh, uh, whatever. It's approved. I don't know, whatever. And uh, I digress. Anyways, we had to go to the doctors and they'll say like, oh, so what is, uh, what's your insurance these days? And we were like, we don't have insurance. And it's just, I don't know if they're actually judging us, but I, Ava and I just feel like a world of, well, Ava feels a world of judgment. I'm just like, give me a discount, you know? And, uh, and so uh, it, is, it is wild. And uh, we're not trying to solve like the uh, insurance crisis that is Amer in America tonight. Uh, that's way too much for one sermon as we talk about the problem of evil. We'll, we'll just solve that tonight. Uh, no, uh, my, my point in saying that is that it's wise to have insurance. Like there's a wisdom to that, but we also need to see that Jesus is our great assurance. We need to see Jesus is ultimately who we trust. Like insurance is something that we can fall back to, but Jesus is ultimately who we trust. The psalmist uh, wrote this. He wrote, uh, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and they fall, but we rise and stand upright. Now, please don't read that verse and say, all right, I'm going to cancel all my insurance because homeboy trusts Jesus. I'm good. I'm good. We'll enjoy Amishville. But uh, my, my point is that that is something wise, but at the end of the day, because creation is falling apart, we trust in the name of the Lord. And the reality of this world is that homes will burn down, hurricanes will hit, Kids might get swept away in a riptide. And at the end of the day, we live wise and we trust in Jesus. My mama said, it's going to be okay. Either way, it's going to be okay. The next point that Paul makes to us is that hope is offered in the groans of the Christian. And not only the Christian, but we are not only creation, but we ourselves uh, who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this uh, hope we were saved. Hope is what saved us. Uh, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? Like, I don't hope to hold my cell phone because it's in my hand. Like, I'm already doing it. That's not a thing of hope. Uh, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Like, Paul's describing, last week we talked about adoption. Like, Paul's describing that scene where, like, you show up to the courtroom, you make your case, you pay your money, and, like, you are now officially adopted but there's kind of some like paperwork to be filled out and whatnot, and you're kind of waiting to go home. That little period be be where it goes from being official to you being that adopted child that actually uh, is in the presence, that it's actually in the house, like we're in that, like that's our whole life. Uh, we've been adopted into the family of God, but now we're waiting to finally be in the presence of the, of the Father. And so in the middle of that is a whole bunch of tension. In the middle of that for us is, a, is hardship. Like we understand, Understand that we we get that, but we're now we're awaiting the future. So as we await the future, what are we waiting on? We we are filled with hope. That that we hope in that we trust in what Jesus Christ did in the past. And so if hope was part of what saved us, hope is what should fuel us as we go through this world. So Paul is clearly seeing, hey, creation is falling apart. 
Paul is clearly seeing, hey, the state of humanity is full of sin, but what I see through all of the issues is God's redeeming power. I see the world, but I look beyond it to my God's power and mercy. As Paul writes this, what is he reminding us is that the Christian always has hope. That the Christian is never to have despair. That the Christian, you and I are not waiting for death, we wait for life. We are groaning inwardly. We are waiting, but we groan only in the interim. Life here is not easy. Life here requires patience. We don't have our, our future right now in the moment. It is ours, but it's not quite yet been revealed. And so we hope eagerly for what is coming as we wait in this not yet tension. We have the first fruits of what he uses, that first fruit of our salvation. And we're waiting for the whole harvest, which is our, our heavenly our reward. And our, our, not reward is the wrong word, but our heavenly inheritance. So in the meantime... I don't know if you know this, but sometimes life is hard. And there's going to be those moments where you want, to, you want to throw on Facebook or tell your friend, like, not today, Satan, you know? You know what's not, uh, you know what I've heard people say? They'll be like, Jason, like, they'll be like, oh, I'm, like, I've got this going on, i got this going on, but you, you know, brother, God will never give you more than you, than you can handle, right? I'm like, huh? What you talking about? Like, that's a misquote of uh, Roman, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I think. That's, that's talking about temptation. Like, temptation doesn't have to overtake you. Like, you're not going to be tempted beyond what you, can, what you can handle. But life is going to be more than you can handle. Like, that's why he sent us the Holy Spirit. If you can handle this world, why do you need the Holy Spirit? The fact is that as we wait in this not yet time... This world and what it throws, what the devil is going to throw at us is more than we can handle on our own. So God gave us the church as a gift. He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us, that power, Holy Spirit power to overcome what we can't handle on our own. And as we go through this world, we wait with eager anticipation of what is to come. So this past week, you guys know that in the mornings, uh, I, I live about three quarters of a mile from the bay in uh, a creative town called Bayville. And, uh, and so I walk uh, towards the bay with my dog and I pray. And this week I had some really hard things going on in my life. And so like my prayers were kind of passionate, especially like a Monday and Tuesday and uh, the whole week. And uh, so I'm walking and I was like kind of crying out to God. And uh, and this is a picture of uh, of this road that I walk on, and uh, and I was like I was praying actually kind of right at that moment, and uh, and I was like God like I've walked this road now like over a thousand times over the years, and uh, and like it's just you and me, and uh, and right now it's just kind of you and me, and I was really struggling, and I, I kind of had that thought of. God, if I came home and like my whole family, like something happened to them and it's like, they're gone. Like I'd walk this road again with a lot of attitude, uh, but, but it's just you and me. Like at the end of the day, it's just, just you and me. And one of the things I love about my walk is when I can time it right, I get to the end, I sit on the dock, I throw on worship music, sometimes I dance, uh, sometimes I'm crying. It's a whole slew of emotions. It's, you know, no one's around but Bruin and he's crazy. And, uh, and so I get, I get to the end and I just wait. 
and I'm just looking and I'm staring and I'm just kind of waiting for the sun to peak. That little orange dot that then gets a little bigger and a little bigger. And that's kind of the word that's captured here. It, it's the Greek word, uh, something dia. Like you can talk to somebody that goes to school for that, I guess. I don't know. But uh, there's, there's a Greek word that's used for eager, it's, it's, it's translated eager anticipation. And, and what, where it's used in the original language is somebody that's peering off into the horizon, waiting for the dawn, waiting for daybreak, that they're looking, they're scanning, they're looking, they're scanning, they're waiting for the sun, because I'm not a big science nerd, but from what I understand, the sun comes up every day. And so they're just, they're just waiting for the sun, waiting for the sun, waiting with the eager anticipation. You and I are looking at the horizon, waiting for the return of our king with eager anticipation. Where does that play out? Well, there's going to be sickness in this world. Groan. But please know this, glory's coming. There's, there's going to be physical death in this world. Groan. But know this, glory is coming. There's going to be relational letdowns in this world. But, but please know this, glory is coming. There's going to be injustices in relationships. There's going to be injustices in your job. There's going to be injustices in our culture. There's going to be injustices in our government. There's going to be injustices, injustices, injustices for you and I to endure. Grown now, but no glory is coming. There will be rejections in all of those same areas. Embrace it. Grown now and know this, glory is coming. You've said it or you've thought it, life sucks. <laughs> and we might be living in the suck of this world, but guess what? This is not our home. Glory is coming. It's going to be okay, my mama said. It's going to be okay. Either way, it's going to be okay. What have we said tonight? We have, we have said that hope brings perspective to our groaning. Hope is offered to the groans of creation. Hope is offered to the groans of the Christian. And so we go back to that, that like, well, who would, you, who would you rather be? Like, Jason, like, we're, we're supposed to be talking about freedom. Jason, we're, talk, we're supposed to be talking about, like, hey, we're more than conquerors. Like, hey, we're Christians, and we've got it going on. Oh, like, life is going to be hunky-dory, but then reality knocks us on our butt, and we go back to this, like, hey, if hardship is going to happen to us all, who would you rather be? Those that hope for future glory or those that have no hope? Would you rather be the, the non-Christian that has to look around and say, by golly, this is the best it's ever going to get? Or do you want to be the Christian that looks around and can look around at the, at the suck of this world and say, with a smile, well, this is the worst it's ever going to be. <laughs> because glory is coming. For you and I, what we know is coming makes this all a whole lot more palatable. Like what I learned by going to the grocery store is the box has a way of changing the flavoring that's on the inside. You get the right picture and all of a sudden the food on the inside tastes better. How do I know? My daughter had to have a certain cereal this week that she has never ever eaten. But it had the little mermaid on it. And so she had to eat it. And she did every single day. We, we go to the grocery store. And my favorite, my favorite mac and cheese is not craft. This is garbage. It, Velveeta, Velveeta. Velveeta is the best. But this has Paw Patrol. So this, to a kid, 
tastes so much better. This garbage tastes better because of Paw Patrol. Or, or have, you, have you been there where you've been in the grocery store and you saw a little kid going down the aisle? You bring this, you bring this box into the kids area right now and what are you gonna get? And you're gonna be, there's gonna be a bunch of little fake Spider-Mans all throughout the grocery store trying to grab this because they see Spider-Man. And whatever, whatever junk is on the inside, it's going to taste great because it's in the shape of his head. And they're going to love eating Spider-Man's head. It tastes so good, but does it? Or my daughter, we go to breakfast and there is her leftover pancakes like moldy throughout all of the freezer. Why? Because she never, she eats one ear of, of her pancake every Wednesday and everything else comes home. And that, that, that one ear of the pancakes cost me $6 every single Wednesday. She, she, this, there's like a thousand different, like, uh, the, but this has Minnie Mouse. Like you can, you can get the same box without Minnie Mouse. It, on the inside, it tastes the exact same, but this one has Minnie Mouse. <laughs> Something about eating Minnie's like, face and Mickey's face like it just tastes good you know uh and, but we do that right it's more palatable and if you're like Jason I'm not a child uh I'm an adult well I offer you Chris Pratt to look at and uh and so this is not the Cleveland sports team uh because I didn't know I only knew Guardians were is Cleveland now but this is some movie by Marvel or DC or something I don't know it's all the same and um and so but there's like a wood guy grout and Chris Pratt. And you guys know, like you get cereal and what do you do? You love eating the cereal and then looking at the box. It makes the experience better, right? Uh, now, I know that I'm talking about kids stuff, but don't we kind of do it as adults too, though? Like I, we have a thousand uh, uh, coffee cups in my house. Uh, and, uh, and there's something about drinking coffee out of Reagan's Lego cup that just doesn't feel right. And there's certain cups that are Ava's and certain cups that are mine. Like, like I don't know who bought her this one. I like his beard. Uh, maybe it was me. Uh, but if I drink out of this mug, it just doesn't feel right when I drink coffee out of this mug. Or what really doesn't feel right is the, her mug that says, my husband is hotter than my coffee. Uh, fun fact, my favorite memory about grandpa was when he grabbed this mug, didn't realize what it said, and was walking around my house drinking out of my husband. I, 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 it was hilarious. If I drink out of this mug, something don't seem right. It just doesn't feel right, right? But my my mugs, like I love drinking uh, victory. I love uh, I love drinking out drinking out of a champion. Uh, I love uh, I love my uh, who wants to win competitive. I love my Wellspring mug. I love the mug that uh, my grandparents got me two Christmases ago. Of uh, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous. Be I love this mug. My my point is that I drink my coffee black. Pouring coffee in each of these mugs, it all tastes the same. Like, it all is going to taste the same when it hits your lips. But if we're honest with ourselves, whether it's the box or whether it's the mug, like something is just different about the experience. Like you look at mugs and you're like, oh, this, oh, I like this one, ah, better. But it's not, like it's the same thing. My, my point is that you and I in this life as Christians have a, a sharing a cup of suffering with our Jesus. And hardship is being poured into each of our cups, Christian and non-Christian. 
And there's something for the Christian as we look to the cup that makes it a little bit more palatable because we understand the hope that Jesus offers us and what is coming. Now, I'm not trying to liken your hardship or my hardship to a mug or a a Spider-Man box. (laughs) Uh, That would be belittling to all of our pain. All I wanted to do was give us a little bit of perspective to to consider as uh, as we spent our Monday night together. What I want to challenge you with is is this. If if this kind of sparked your interest, I'm going to challenge you to read one of these three books. We have one copy. Uh, They're going to go fast if if yesterday was any sign of that. Uh, And so look at the screens. uh, Take a picture when I hold it up. Uh, I want to challenge you to three books. Uh, If you're kind of newer to the Christian faith, uh, maybe you, know, you have kind of childlike faith, if you will. Uh, this book is probably the easiest to read. Uh, it's Craig Rochelle. Uh, it's called Hope in the Dark, Believing God is Good When Life is Not. Uh, I, I want to highly recommend uh, this book, especially if you're kind of newer to the Christian faith. Uh, if you Maybe you're like a teenage Christian. Maybe you're like a teenager where sometimes you're like, you've got it going on. Like, you're like, hey, you're just nailing life. But then other times you're a train wreck, you know? Like, you're kind of like, oh, it's like, from one moment to the next, you know? Uh, this is kind of like for teenagers, let's say. Uh, not teenagers like like in, in spirituality. Uh, it's called Suffering by Paul David Tripp. Uh, really, really, really good read. I want to highly recommend this book. And then if you're maybe a, a salt and pepper Christian, uh, what I mean by that is a seasoned Christian. You've been around the block. You want something a little bit deeper. Uh, this book I read this past week and it rocked me. Uh, it's called Trusting God uh, by Jerry Bridges. Uh, and it's just a great perspective on trusting God really when life doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, but it's deep. Uh, and so I, those three books, will have it at the end. I want to challenge you to read one of those. Uh, Would you guys stand and let me pray over us as we go to one more song of worship? God, I pray for this song, Lord. I I pray for this moment as we, um, we've had some laughter tonight, even moments maybe of crying together. But Father, moments of acknowledging you in the pain. Father, I pray as we go to this song, Lord, that we would leave here having gone to a place of trusting you even when life doesn't make sense. Trusting you when life is painful, knowing that you walked a painful road. Father, as we declare a truth of of you being foundational in our lives, I pray that we would leave here knowing that we get to be anchored to the God of this universe. In your name, amen.